Hey, podcast listeners, a quick one from me before we jump in. Episode 101, I'd love to hear from you. Who has been your favorite guest on the show? What have you learned from the First Time Facilitator podcast? I would love you to submit a brief 60-second voice memo or audio clip where you share your favorite moment, guest or episode or reflection from listening to the last 100 episodes. All the information is on my website at leannehughes.com forward slash 101. And if you can submit your audio by the 3rd of January, that'll be awesome. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host... Leanne Hughes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you create unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. We're closing in at to the end of not only a year, but a decade as well. So I wanted to take some time out on today's episode to reflect on the year and ask some questions to help you also reflect as well as focus on creating a very delightful 2020. Now, because this is a podcast about facilitation, I'd like to break this reflection piece into a few main areas. So reflecting on lessons I learned from facilitating workshops this year, a few career and business lessons, and then everything else is in category three, basic life lessons, things about um, energy, mental health, finance, that sort of stuff. Uh, Before I launch into this episode, remember, if you'd like to join the conversation when the podcast is over, you can join over 420 facilitators from all over the world. Very helpful facilitators, I might say, um, sharing all their cool activities. People are asking questions, uploading photos. Uh, It's a really unreal community. Very, very helpful. That group is called The Flip Chart and there is a link to that in the show notes for this one. Uh, and anything else I mentioned as a resource on this show can be found over at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash 98. Okay, now onto the show. I've titled this episode, That Which You Can Plan Is Too Small For You To Live, which is a quote by David White. And the reason I've called it that is because it's really great to do all this planning, but you've also got to remember that life just happens as well. And sometimes things may not work to plan in the way that you wanted it to go in not the best way, but sometimes life can surprise you and exceed everything that you wrote down at the beginning of the year. Um, That's what I certainly discovered this year. I'd planned certain things. I made a spreadsheet of ideal projects and clients I thought I'd work with. But what actually happened were things were completely unanticipated and thankfully uh, so much bigger and better than what I'd been dreaming of or even had the imagination to think would happen. So I think in my 2018 planning process, I probably dreamt a little too small, which isn't a bad thing. And I think that's possibly a, a human thing. We tend to plan things that we can predict may possibly happen. And I love the book Rework. It talks about strategic plans and how we should just rename them strategic guesses because how do we have any idea of the things that are possible but the weird thing about my 2018 planning was I thought I was dreaming big Um, and if you're a regular listener to the show you would have heard me say things like the biggest fear that I had leaving my corporate job in February this year was that well a I wouldn't get any gigs or clients 
but B, I wouldn't get the chance to travel internationally, which was a big perk of my previous role. But what has happened since um, has what has happened this year has been a complete opposite. Uh, most of my big gigs have been international ones. My theme for 2019 was the year of maintenance, where I had these amazing plans to create beautiful workflows, automations, create systems for newsletters, batching all my podcast episodes, creating routines, but I didn't get there. I've been too busy with working in the business, with delivering, with showing up the best way that I can, to be honest. Um, there were so many external changes with leaving my job. I underestimated that and, and I actually underestimated what my week would look like. I thought I would work the same hours, but I didn't. I, I actually work less hours now and I uh, it's really hard to describe the differences between being in a corporate job where you've got this task and things to do and all these meetings to attend and when you free up your time working for yourself, everyone says, oh, it's going to be hard work and busy. Yes, to a certain degree, but I've discovered ways of working more efficiently and really the best hours for me are the ones before lunch. And so if I can smash out some work before lunch, I feel like I can do you know one or two days worth of work in concentrated effort of about four hours in the morning. So I'm not scared to admit that. That's why we start our own business, right? To free up our own time. At the same time, then when I have time in the afternoon, I start just scrolling on social media and doing things that writing emails that may not be so productive. But look, constantly learning, it's part of the, the journey, right? So I really wanted maintenance in my life, but a few things have slipped. I still run, but not to the level that I was last year. Um, that has slipped. Being consistent with sending out newsletters, I kind of joke about it on the show how my newsletters are sent out, you know, fortnightly-ish, monthly-ish. I've skipped a few months this year. So I didn't deliver in that way, but maintenance has shown up in other ways. So the way that I've delivered consistent content to this podcast, how I've been consistently showing up on LinkedIn. Uh, and what I discovered with my consistency is it's much easier to maintain it across the things which give me joy. And I guess you as podcast listeners, you're listening to other podcasts, which all talk about setting your 2020 intentions and thinking of a word to theme your year, which is great. That's been an activity that I've undertaken the last few years. Uh, but I was sitting on a call with Jenny Blake last week. I'm part of her private momentum community. She runs fortnightly webinars and she said, she asked the question, instead of thinking of a word to describe the theme for your year, is there a metaphor, a quote or a symbol which you could use to set your year's intentions? So when I reflect on 2019, I think a phrase which wraps it up is that Nike slogan, just do it. Since leaving corporate this year, I have been all about getting stuck in, showing up, delivering, getting things done, putting the perfection monster aside and just doing it. Just do it. When I think of 2020, I don't want it to be another just do it year. Um, and instead, I've decided to use an object to theme my year. And this may sound pretty random, but my object for 2020 is the alternator. Uh, the alternator is something that's in your car. And the alternator is a generator of electric power in a car, and it's a major component of the vehicle's charging systems. Like I said, it sounds random, but please stick with me. So an alternator is a maintenance-free unit, and some cars that can last up to 10 to 15 years without any repairs. And the alternator is useful because it charges the car battery, but only charges the battery when the car is on. So the alternator is a really important part of your vehicle, 
because it helps power up your vehicle when you travel. It takes the mechanical energy, generates electricity, sends it to the motor that is recharging the battery. So that's the physics behind the alternator. The reason why I've chosen the alternator and why it resonates with me for 2020 is that when I reflect on this year, I realize that I get charged up. I charge up when I actually take the action and do the thing when I'm on the road. I get restless. I feel disengaged. I feel disempowered when I sit around idle, waiting or thinking or overthinking. So when I get that idea to recharge, I need to be driving, traveling, moving forward, taking action. And I also like the idea that the alternator is maintenance free, how it works best when it's doing the thing. So I want to apply this theory of being an alternator to aspects of my life, including my relationships, my business, my life and health. It's just when you do things, you build momentum and you get feedback. So most recently I posted about my 100th episode celebrations in Brisbane. I put it on the Flipchart community without having a venue locked in. I just thought, look, this is stuck in my head. The 7th of January is just around the corner. I need to get this out so people can start planning around it. I didn't have a venue though. The magic of that was I put it up on Facebook and Dr. Catherine Lloyd, who has been a previous guest on two episodes of this podcast, reached out, gave me a call and said, Leanne, I found a great venue. It's my co-working space. There's a beautiful balcony. We can, you know, you can bring in food and drink and um, just offered me a venue. So there is actually real value in putting things out to the world when they aren't perfect. And I, I do have a philosophy of doing that already, but I feel like I need to step it up. There's a lot of ideas I have in my head that you don't even know about because I was just too scared to put them out when they're not fully formed. So I'm going to try and do get more into agile mentality and just put things out and iterate on the go. So that's what I want to do for 2020 is like channel the alternator. And I actually just like the word. It just kind of reminds me of the Terminator. Um, so that's it. And I know it's very random, but I thought I'd share that with you. So that's my question for you then. If you had to sum up your 2019 using a metaphor, a quote, an object, a symbol or an animal, how would you describe that? I suggest when I ask these questions through the show that you might want to pause and, and have a think. So 2019, what would you use to describe the year that you've just had? Even a song title or a book title, what would it be? And the following question to that is, if you could choose and dictate what 2020 is for you, what metaphor, quote, object, symbol, animal, song title, song lyric, book title, could you use to describe what that looks like for you? And yes, it could be another part of the car. (laughs) Okay, so that's starting really general. Now let's look at three different elements, facilitation, business, careers, and life. We'll start with facilitation. Now, if you sign up to our monthly newsletter, the flip chart, well, monthly-ish, you would have seen me mention a few key reflection questions that I've been considering when I reflect on this year. And When that newsletter, I also asked you to to park that rational side of your brain while you work through your reflection and planning process, especially when you start thinking about 2020, try to go broad, try to go big, try to really imagine, don't get stuck in how will this ever happen. So like I said, after each of these questions, you may want to hit the pause button to think about how this has played out for you. So a few questions are, what was the best workshop that you delivered this year? Why was it the best workshop? 
What is the topic you're most drawn to when it comes to facilitating? What was the best activity or conversation that you facilitated? Who was the ultimate client or group that you facilitated work with this year? What type of experiences are you drawn to? Think about the ultimate workshop experience for you and describe it in detail. What will that look like? Sometimes when you reflect on these questions, it can be easier to think about what you didn't like. So what topics did you hate running workshops on? What clients do you think just drained your energy? And then think about what would the opposite of that look like? That can sometimes help inform your planning. And when you think about your ultimate workshop, try to think of all the details. Start getting some imagery around it. Like here's a sample, one of mine. So my ultimate workshop experience would have about 16 people involved who are really passionate about turning good things into great things. They're not dysfunctional. They're really high performing, but they want to make it even better. The workshop is set at an amazing venue with high ceilings and natural light flooding in, overlooking the ocean. The topic we're talking about and exploring is all about ideation and creating new ideas and everyone is psyched to attend. I'm also co-facilitating this with another person to give the workshop a different level of energy through the day. The day starts at 9am, it finishes at 4pm. It's over two days, but on the second day, we finish for a long lunch and there's a live band in the background. Um, after, I mean, all, all during the experience, I can tell that everyone in the workshop is over the moon with enthusiasm. They're charged. They can't wait to bring back the new insights and try different things back in their workplace. At this long lunch on the second day, we have a mystery guest speaker that joins in for an informal panel type conversation. Uh, now, listeners, if I'm thinking, if I'm truly thinking big and trying to set an example for you, my list, I guess, of five guest speakers would be Simon Sinek, Gary Vaynerchuk, David Beckham, Melinda Gates, and probably former Prime Minister of Australia, John Howard. So what would your ultimate workshop look like? If you've got no ideas, please um, send me an email and let me know at hello at leannehughes.com or just DM me on, on LinkedIn or share your ideas on the Flipchart community on Facebook. Okay, in terms of facilitation, a few things I've learned this year, particularly from working in other countries. The first one is to just chill out a bit, Leanne, just to relax a lot more. So for example, in India, the workshop started at 9am, but that is when breakfast arrived and people were continuing to arrive. And I remember looking around the room around 9.10 in the morning and the only person looking nervous about starting was me. Everyone else was really happy just to connect and talk to each other and were very relaxed. Um, I've always been a real stickler for time. I value things like punctuality. So I had to learn to relax and remember that I was leading this workshop and I could control things to get us out on time. But I just needed to chill out. And that's been really nice, actually, because um, I think that comes into a sense of control. And what I've learned from a lot of guests on this show is that it's important to relinquish control and be flexible. So, yeah, it, it's it's not easy for me to do because I kind of get this feeling like, oh, you've got to start on time. And But like I said, I've had to put that away. So that was a really great lesson from um, other cultures. Also putting a time frame um, and a cool down routine for myself. I talk about cool down routines in my 12 rules for facilitation and the way that you should end a workshop. 
but as well as cooling down at the end of a day, particularly when you run like a highly charged workshop, you're overseas or traveling on the road. So you're not back at home in your usual environment. Um, I often will hop on the computer and I will edit things that we're running the next day to make it better for the participants. But I've actually got to put a time frame on that and go, look, I've spent 30 minutes on iterating and then I need to like get to bed or read or do what it takes to just cool myself down. So when I get to sleep or when I go to try to sleep, I'm not thinking about the day. So journaling has been really helpful. I've learned how effective flip charts can be over PowerPoint. Uh, so vote one flip charts. <laughs> Uh, even the process of preparing your flip charts before the workshop is really quite therapeutic and nice because that's when you go through in your mind, how will I explain this? What's the flow like? What are the key visuals here? It's a really nice prompt for you. And I've also learned that it's important to have a consolidated, robust list of about 10 of your favorite icebreakers or activities that require no resources to use that you can just bring in when you need a bit more of a spark or energy in your workshop room. Or if you finish before time and your client expects you to finish at a certain time, you can use these activities to pan that out a bit. And it's not a waste of time. It's quite useful for the participants. That question I asked earlier is what is the topic you're most drawn to? And I think this is a very useful question if you're thinking about what you want to specialize in, whether you're in a company or you're a solopreneur, consultant, running your own thing. It's a constant question I'm asking myself when I think about what are the topics I really want to drill down on and be an expert on. So a nice way to figure that out is to think and reflect on those workshops you've delivered and the topics that you've been most energized by. For example, I've been very lucky that many of my workshops this year have been quite generalist in nature, like three-day leadership programs, and the topics that really drive me or the questions that I love getting asked are how do I influence across other departments when I don't have direct authority, um, motivating my teams and productivity. I think those three things I love. So just paying more attention to that. Okay, now moving on to the second category, which is business and careers. And I want you to I'll give you some more questions to, to explore here. Think about your career highlights from the year. Like what I do when I do this with groups, when I talk about career highlights is I play a video of Roger Federer entering centre court, which is Rod Laver Arena at the Australian Open. And he's warming up against his opponent and the court announcer starts listing off all of Roger Federer's achievements. Like he's won the Australian Open, Wimbledon. And this it's hilarious because Roger Federer's list of accomplishments goes on for like over like a minute and a half. And you feel really sorry for the guy that's playing him. But I think about, then I throw it to participants. I say, well, what if you were Roger Federer and you're entering Rod Laver Arena? What would the centre court announcers say about you and your achievements? So think about your 2019. What would that court announcer be listing off in terms of what you achieved and accomplished? Now, these achievements, they don't have to be outcome and metric focused. It could even be that you realised something wasn't working. That could be an achievement. Or you tried something different. You were brave enough to step out of your comfort zone. So if you had to list five things that you're proud of in terms of your career and business this year, what would those be? A second question I like to ask in this category, and I'm absolutely stealing it from my favorite uh, friend tour in the world, Jenny Blake. She asked this question, how can I earn twice as much in half the time? Just throwing that question in there. I think that's a really powerful question if you've got your own business or thinking about leaving your current role. 
And a third question I'll put in this section is like, I'm, I'm sure you're sick of me talking about it, but a major thing that has worked for me in business this year and I think will continue to work is doubling down on building relationships and connections. Like Jordan Harbinger says, he says, dig well before you get thirsty. So on that note, a nice question that you might want to ask yourself is in 2020, who are the five or 10 people that you'd like to connect with more or learn more from? Think big and don't censor this. Just be brave and write down those names. So back in 2017, I wrote down Jenny Blake. I wrote down Jordan Harbinger. I wrote down Pat Flynn. And when I was in that stage of writing those names down, I thought, this is Leanne, you're dreaming. This is way too big. This will never happen. And it's actually crazy to think that this year, Jenny Blake flew me to Paris to co-facilitate pivot workshops with her for Chanel. Jordan Harbinger is guest 100 on this podcast, so you'll hear from him in a couple of episodes. And I got to hang out with Pat Flynn on the Gold Coast for a few nights last year and drive him to the airport. That was weird. I spent every drive in my Toyota Corolla back in 2017, 2018, listening to Pat Flynn, and then he was in the passenger seat of my car. So, so weird, but so cool at the same time. So think about it. Who are the five to 10 people that you admire who you'd like to learn more from? who you want to connect with and don't censor yourself. Don't worry about how you make it happen. Just write those names down. So in terms of my reflections on 2019, in terms of business and careers, I guess a few things I'm proud of are recognizing the need for a business coach quite early in the game. I think I reached out to a coach about six or eight weeks into solopreneurship. I was, I felt kind of bad relying on my former colleagues to brainstorm and to vent. And I wanted to formalize a relationship with someone who was doing what I wanted to do. And that's why I started working with Sarah McVainal. And you've heard a couple of our conversations. Just having heard a chat with every fortnight has worked massively in terms of having a debrief buddy, idea sounding board, a cheerleader. And it is very difficult when you're starting out to decide what to invest in to move your business. But I think I absolutely think this was you know, definitely worth it. So getting Sarah on board was something, something that I'm proud of. And speaking of team members, about midway through the year, I decided to get the help of a sound guide to produce these episodes to make it more professional so I could spend my time on other things and also make it a better experience for you, the listener. So a big shout out to Diego. He's based in Argentina, but he travels around the world editing podcasts and he's done a tremendous job and is, is a light to work with. This year, I've also said yes and quoted on work that I knew deep down, not even deep down, I probably knew at a surface level that I wasn't that interested in doing. And I think that comes from a scarcity mindset. So I'm working a lot of my mindset. And right now I'm reading books on abundance and the power of our self-talk and our intentions. Now, this probably sounds a bit woo-woo-y and guess it is. But the more I read on it, the more I realize just how powerful our language is and why positivity, having that, I guess, a strength of mine is positivity, to how it's helped me over my life. And it continues to attract really wonderful opportunities and people, which I'm really grateful for. And I mean, this podcast has been and continues to be absolutely delightful. And it's because you, the listener, that I continue to build, grow and deliver the show every week. So thank you for joining me and trusting me with bringing in, I guess, random formats, random experiments and guests on the show. Thank you for reaching out and connecting with me and connecting with the guests. And thank you for taking what you learn and like from the show 
and implementing it in your own workshops. I think that's very brave of you. So keep it up and tell me the stories of how it's worked for you. LinkedIn has also been a brilliant social media platform. I got to a stage of posting consistently. And what happens when you do that is that things will happen during a normal day and you think, ah, there's a LinkedIn story in that. I'm, I'm very much that annoying person during a coffee with a friend. If they say something, I'll be like, oh, you've got to write a post about that. There's, there's, there's content in there. And I think that's the power of consistency. It trains your brain to look for opportunities in things that you probably wouldn't recognize if you didn't have a daily habit of, of finding lessons and posting things about your day and things that you learn. And that's very much a homework for life strategy from Matthew Dix, who was a previous guest on the show. Finally, let's move on to part three, life. Uh, yes, I know this category is pretty broad and I could, I should really have called it the anything else category. I guess um, a model I keep referring back to, I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, is Jonathan Field's model from his book, How to Live a Good Life. He talks about our life and how we have three buckets, our connection, our contribution and our vitality bucket. And really, the aim in life is to try to keep all three buckets full because if anyone runs empty, you feel pain. Um, And the challenge in life is making sure that we circle around because the buckets always leak and it's our job to to top them up. So we've covered the contribution so far. Sorry, we've covered the contribution bucket so far in this podcast when we've talked about facilitation and careers and business. Connection is about your relationships and vitality is really about your energy. So I guess a step for this would be, I would suggest taking Jonathan Fields free self-assessment so you can see which bucket you need to focus on and that will dictate some of your efforts in 2020. Which one is less full? Then you need to think about strategies to top that up. It's a nice way of looking at it. Very simple. And I'll link to that self-assessment in the show notes. I also like in Nir Eel's book, Indistractable, He says that where you spend your time should reflect your values. So if you value your family and you value your relationships, but you're only spending like five or 10% of time with your family and friends in your weekly calendar, there's a values misalignment. And I think that is a really nice way to plan for this. So the first thing is to think about your values. What do you want to boost in 2020? Is it time with family, friends, working on your health boosting your finances, getting good sleep, hanging out with your pets, learning, travel, what is it? Once you have your list of priorities, then open up your calendar and figure out how could you time box your week that actually reflects where your priorities should be and that percentage breakdown. So that's a nice little experiment is getting clear in the priorities and then putting it into a calendar and seeing if they align. What I've learned here is another lesson from Jordan Harbinger's podcast, and that is with commitments and saying yes to events. So it is really easy. Um, I certainly do it. I RSVP to an event. I'll say, yep, I'll go. Uh, The event is on in about four, six, eight weeks away. So I've got white space in my calendar and the event is looking fun. But what, what he says though is that what you need to do is pretend that if that same event was actually on tomorrow night or that evening, would you still go? So I think the trouble is we get into, in our busy lives, we are committing to things in advance because we have white space and availability. Then when it comes along, we don't really feel like going along. And I think 
this is a really neat way to manage time and, and how we can stop ourselves from overcommitting. So looking at a venue that's two months away and thinking if this event was on tomorrow night or tonight, would I be compelled to go? So it's just perception switching, but what that does is that you make a more accurate decision based on would you feel compelled to go in the moment rather than knowing it's – you say yes to everything if it's two months away and you've got nothing on in your calendar. What you tend to find is that when things come around, you're really busy. So overall for me, uh, 2020 is about recharging by doing things, so being the alternator. I need some really dramatic music over the top of that, the alternator. Uh, building more of an abundance mindset – Playing with my new amazing online system, it's called New Zendler. It does things like it does my email newsletter. It also hosts my membership site, online courses. It's an all-in-one platform. It's what I've been looking for. Uh, so I'm going to get into that and put out really exciting things in 2020. So helpful content and tutorials and online workshops really dedicated to first-time facilitators. So like r- the core target audience, first-time facilitators, not the more advanced facilitators. It's really going back to the basics. This year, I was also asked by quite a few people to help them design their workshops. And I that really gave me a ton of energy. I loved those sessions. I didn't like charging for them because I had so much fun. But look, I, I think that's a really great indicator of, you know, you're on the right path when it doesn't feel like work. So I'd love to do more of that, just helping people brainstorm what cool activities they can start incorporating into their workshops. I'd like to speak on bigger stages in front of more people, spend more time by the ocean and get more into YouTube and video. I've been doing a lot of videos on LinkedIn and getting very comfortable in front of the camera and I'd love to do sort of build up a YouTube channel or something like that. And I've already started the process. I've uh, started video recording a few podcast interviews, which you'll see If you're interested in video, you'll see those in the new year. And that pretty much wraps it up. I would love to hear what you're up to as well, what your plans are, what your biggest reflections and aha moments for 2019 have been. Please share them with me. You can DM me on Instagram at Leanne Hughes, connect up on LinkedIn and send me a message or share your ideas on the Flipchart community on Facebook. That is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much. If you got to the end, thank you so much for your time and attention. And hopefully some of these questions have been a really great prompt for you. Have a wonderful Christmas break. Eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want. Take it easy and continue learning and being the fabulous facilitators that you are. We'll chat again next week. Ciao. And look, if you're still listening in the meantime, if you do like the show, I'd love you to help out and get the word out to other people. So there are a few ways you can spread the word. Uh, You can simply send them a link to firsttimefacilitator.com or leave a rating and review in iTunes to boost the public presence of the show. Thanks, First Time Facilitators. Chat next week.